great plan for us. And um, so we were told we have to go to cross-cultural orientation before we do this because it's, it's longer than a work and witness trip. So, so we did that. We took another couple with us from our church and went to Kansas City at Mid-America and went through cross-cultural orientation. And that was when the Lord started working on our hearts. Um, towards the end of that, um, we have opportunity. You could sign up and you could talk to World Mission about volunteer things. And um, so we weren't going to do that because we knew what we were doing. We were going to go to Spain. He was going to teach. And I was going to love on grandbabies. So that was the plan. We did not need to do any interview stuff. Well, the couple that was with us, they came running into the room and said, Pastor, Pastor, we signed you up. And we said, you did what? And they said, we signed you up. We're interviewing, so we want you to have an interview too. And we thought, oh. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. But we thought we'll go ahead and do that. Um, Terry Taylor was um, the missionary interviewing us. And you may know her because she's there. She and her husband are from Oregon. Um, and she started drawing out scenarios to Bill. What would you do if? And what would you do here? And what would you do? And Bill was answering. And she sat back and she said, oh, we need you on the mission field. She said, and she leaned forward and said, you could do so much more. And at that moment, I mean, I felt like the Holy Spirit had absolutely slammed my heart. And it's so much so, I just, I couldn't even say anything. I just looked over at Bill to see what his reaction was. And I don't even remember exactly what you responded, but I just knew that the Holy Spirit was working on his heart too. We went back to Southern California, went back to pastoring. And it was sometime, I mean, really sometime later that we got contacted from Global Missions, and they were saying, can you read this book, and can you do this? And through a series of different things that happened in our life, by the time the year was halfway over, we knew God was definitely directing us to something beyond a sabbatical, that he wanted us to do more. We got to um, attend the South Asia Partnership Meeting this last year in March. Mm-hmm. And, um, or, yeah, March. And um, it was there we got to meet some of the leaders and hear the reports. And you're going to get a little tiny taste of that this morning. Um, And again, at one point, Bill leaned over to me and just said, Teresa, I think these are going to be our people. And I was like, really? You think that? Um, So a few weeks after that, we were invited to um, the missionary assessment in Kansas City. And we were with all these really, 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 really young couples. <laughs> really young. Really young. But we made it through assessment and, again, felt affirmed, affirmed that this was definitely, we didn't know what the end result would be, but this was definitely what God was calling us to out of pastoral ministry. And then we were invited to spend two weeks in Sri Lanka and um, with their leadership meetings and with some trainings they were doing. And Bill got to preach several times. And, again, it was just affirmation you know, this is where God wants us. This is the place. This is the time. We didn't understand it, but, you know, that is definitely how God directed And then we were asked, would you be willing to serve the Church of the Nazarene as missionaries? And we said yes, because God had been preparing our hearts all along. And it was yes. Yes, Lord, we love you, and we'll, we'll be obedient. Well, this is what it was for me, serving before self. How many of you know that if God ever asks you to do something, the very first thing you've got to deal with is self? 
Self always gets in the way. It always messes everything up. And God started saying, we want you to go to South Asia. And I'm saying, God, I'm from Missouri. What are you thinking? You know, are you sure you know what you're doing? Because I had my life all planned out. Anybody here got your life all planned out? Well, God just messed all that up. Because I had my life mapped out. I'm 61 years old. 61 years old. And I was already, we were already thinking of retirement. We were already beginning to figure out, okay, uh, we're going to go to Oregon. We're going to live in Newport. I'm going to buy a real nice salmon fishing boat. And we're going to go salmon fishing every day on the Slitz River and the Alsea River and, and, and in Tillamook Bay. And I was just going to have a great life all planned out. And, and we, had, we had everything all figured out. And so self started to say, you could coast out. If you just lay low and... And be good, be good pastor, be good pastor. You could coast out. And, and you, you, you're in a church of about 400, and you've got all this staff, and, and you've, you've done all these projects, and you've built all these things, and you've raised this money for another project. And, 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 and if you'll just, you're making a really good salary with great benefits. And, and, and so self has a way of really talking to you. And saying, don't you understand all of this? You've got all of this all figured out. This is all laid out. But they say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And so God messed with my plans. And what I had to deal with was was self. I had to get rid of self. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Amen. I said, God, what can I do? What, what? Asia, <laughs> what can I do? And what I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me was what he would whisper to any of us. All you have to do is be a servant. Just be a servant. Love whoever I put in front of you at the moment. Just love on them. In Jesus' name. It's not complicated. I said, okay, God. Well, then, of course, we have this on every wall of our... Well, we don't anymore. We got rid of our house. But here, this was on every wall. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. What I've learned, and, and this pyramid shows it, is that... If you're not going to get involved in ministry, if you're not going to to lead, then you have all the options in the world. So if I'm not doing anything at church, then I really don't have to go to church today. Right? So if the ball game's on that I want to see, hunting season's on, fishing, you know, I want to go see Grandma, whatever you want to do. If you're not doing anything at church, then you have all the options in the world. But the moment you step into any kind of committed service, anytime you say, I'm willing to be on the worship team, I'm willing to 
serve. I'm willing to play an instrument. I'm willing to help in the nursery. I'm willing to help with children's church. I'm willing to work with the teenagers. I'm willing to teach a class. The moment you take a step into leadership, your options shrink. Have you noticed that? So the higher you go in leadership, the fewer options you have. But here's what I've also noticed. That the moment you say, God, I don't know what gifts I've got. I don't know what talents I have. I don't know what I'm capable of doing. But here I am. Use me. And the moment you say, Lord, you can use me, what I have also found out is that opportunities explode. Amen. God says, oh, you're willing to serve. Here's 30 things I need done. Because there's 50 people in church who are still settling that issue. And you finally did. So I've got all this work to do. And that's what's happened in my life. I love this quote. Nothing exposes wrong motives, hidden agendas, selfishness, or pride more than being asked to serve. Nothing exposes a lack of faith or a lack of commitment more than servanthood. That we really understand that uh, you, you, you really don't know that you're a servant until somebody treats you like one. Amen? What do you mean? Treat me like a servant? Amen. Well, I can tell you that uh, we want to say thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, we've pastored for 38 years, and, and we saw God's faithfulness in each of those churches that we served. I mean, doing faith promise and paying those budgets and having the missionaries come in and hear them speak and give them love offerings and all the different things that a church does that's mission-minded, like this church is. We know John Day Church of the Nazarene is a mission-minded church. And we also know God blesses a mission-minded church. So I know God's just going to continue to bless you guys too. But we just wanted to say thank you for your faithfulness. Um, We didn't hear it very often at all, actually, when we pastored. But we just we want to take the opportunity to say thank you. And what you're going to hear in these next few moments from Bill is the results of your missions giving. Um, sometimes, sometimes when you're you know, giving your faith promise offering, you might be thinking, am I making a difference? Is this helping somewhere in the world? You know, show me. Well, we're going to show you this morning just in the South Asia field, which is part of Eurasia, which you, I know you guys are familiar with, um, what God is doing because of your giving and your faithfulness. Amen. Well, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. Our field is going to be Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh, and Sri Lanka. And right out here, the islands, the Maldives. <laughs> and so this is where we are going to go. And it is very intimidating to me. Uh, and God's going to have to really help us uh, because they are such diverse cultures. Uh, we are going to be living right there. Uh, on the island of Sri Lanka. And uh, we're going to be living in the capital city of Colombo. I'll also be teaching with South Asian Nazarene Bible College out of Bangalore, India. So I'll be involved in that as well. So I'll be in and out of uh, India as well. So you'll see a little bit more about that. But what I want to share with you today 
is, is right off of the district superintendent's reports just three months ago. So this is kind of hot off the press, latest, most up-to-date uh, stats. And I want to share with you what God is doing in this part of the world. Uh, God is doing something amazing. And I want to share that with you. Uh, about 1.2% evangelical Christians in Sri Lanka. Uh, Sri Lanka is predominantly a Buddhist country. Uh, some Hindu, but predominantly Buddhist. And, and this is it. This is, this, and I noticed your slides for worship this yeah. morning. You had slides of Sri Lanka in there, and that was awesome. Uh, you saw how the guys were fishing? I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, this is, uh, uh, how many of you saw where the bridge over River Kwai? You, you remember that movie? This is where it was shot, right here in Sri Lanka. Uh, beautiful, beautiful tropical jungles, uh, flowers, waterfalls everywhere you look. Monkeys? Got monkeys? Amen. Got monkeys. Uh, this is about a six-foot-long monitor lizard. Uh, they asked me if I was going to fish uh, in, in Sri Lanka, and, and Teresa, I was thinking about it, and Teresa and I were going to the ministry center, the Compassion Ministry Center in Nagumbo, and so we turned left on a, just a, a rock road, gravel road. There's a river, the road, and the ministry center, and as I looked over into the uh, river, there was about a 16-foot-long crocodile. Uh, in the river, and I said, no this boy is not fishing from the bank. It's not going to happen, because uh, that was a little too spooky. Um, this is a Hindu temple uh, there in Sri Lanka, so there is that element there, probably 10%. And then uh, this is Temple of the Cave uh, for Buddhists, and uh, so you can see the cultures that we're going to deal with just in one of the countries, the country we're going to be living in. Uh, tea plantations. Anybody here drink tea, Ceylon tea, uh, Sri Lankan tea? This is how you get it. This is it. Beautiful tea plantations up in the highlands. And this is how you got it. Uh, I snapped this picture right outside of the ministry center up in, in Haddon. And uh, these women were out there picking the leaves. And, uh, and they have a long stick, about an eight-foot-long stick, and they're beating. Uh, I asked, well, why are they doing that? And they said, well, well cobras. Snakes. Oh, okay. So I looked that up. Yeah. There are 32 different varieties of venomous snakes in Sri Lanka. And so I was, Teresa said, I, you just could have not let me know that fact. Yeah, I know. In fact, he, when he heard that about why they were beating the bushes, he, he just came to me. He didn't tell me that part. He just said, stay out of stay the bushes. Stay out of the bushes. <laughs> stay out of the bushes. <laughs> so, okay. These women here work from sunup to sundown picking tea, and, uh, and they get about a dollar for the whole day. And uh, so give you a little taste of what life is like there. Uh, this is driving, I think, in Haddon. I snapped this picture as we were in the city of Haddon. Uh, you see this uh, center stripe here means absolutely nothing. Uh, they, they, I mean, they are everywhere, driving every direction. And, it, and Teresa just had her fingernails embedded in my thigh as we were going down the road. And so we're going to have to get used to that. And that was terrifying enough. But then people said, well, just wait till you get to India. Just wait till you get... And I'm going, okay, I can wait. I can wait. Um, and yet the Church of the Nazarene, is doing some amazing things in this part of the world. And I want to share with you that uh, they have, uh, in Sri Lanka, they have 612 preaching points. Uh, they have 325 church-type missions. They have 200 fully organized churches of the Nazarene. 
and they have about 13,000 members of the Church of the Nazarene. Your brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka, that God is doing some amazing things. 200 fully organized churches, and yet they only have 17 ordained clergy. And so you begin to see what I'm going to be doing when I get there. I'm going to be training pastors. I'm going to be teaching and, uh, and discipling pastors. The country of Bangladesh... Uh, it's been in the news a lot lately, right? You've, you've heard the news, the terrorist attacks and things happening in Bangladesh. About one half of one percent is evangelical Christian. There are three districts in Bangladesh. Three districts. And, uh, and here's what they just reported three months ago. They have 436 preaching points, almost 1,500 church-type missions. They have 3,294 organized churches of the Nazarene in Bangladesh. That's incredible. I, I, God is doing something amazing. And they have about 130,000 members of the Church of the Nazarene in Bangladesh. And I, I'm just stunned by that. And yet they only have 208 ordained clergy. And so you see this huge gap between conversions and churches and leadership. And so uh, that becomes something very interesting to me and in what I'm going to be doing. The country of Nepal. I'm excited. The Missouri boy is going to Nepal. I get to see the Himalayas. I get to see Mount Everest. No, I'm not climbing it. I would die. Uh, uh, they, they have uh, about 2% evangelical Christian, uh, a little more, uh, almost 3 perhaps, evangelical Christian. And yet in the country of Nepal, they have 151 preaching points, uh, 132 church-type missions, 119 fully organized churches of the Nazarene, about 11,000 members of the church, and 43 ordained clergy. And so God is doing some amazing things. Pakistan. Pakistan. I've been talking with the district superintendent from Pakistan a lot. I'll be working closely with him. And, uh, and he gave this incredible report. A half of 1% is evangelical Christian. This uh, Nepal is Hindu. Uh, Sri Lanka is Buddhist. Pakistan and Bangladesh are Muslim. Uh, and so we have a lot to get our minds and our hearts around. Yet in Pakistan, they have 404 preaching points, 75 church-type missions, 165 organized churches of the Nazarene, almost 11,000 church members, and 13 ordained clergy. And uh, so you can begin to see right where we're going to be needed, and we'll go to work. I asked the... The, the Pakistan district superintendent, how, how, how many people came to know Christ this past year? He said this past year, 6,630 people accepted Jesus Christ in Pakistan in the last 12 months. Just in the church of the Nazarene. I don't know about you, but I praise God for what He's doing in this part of the world. It is nothing short uh, of just miraculous. It's like the book of Acts. My assignment... Very simple, I'm going to be doing leadership development, training pastors, uh, connect, helping them connect with the global church, and assisting my field strategy coordinator, Reverend Trino Jara, who you're going to have here for your faith promise, as my boss. So tell him I did good when I was here. Tell him, boy, that, that Bill Gregory and Teresa, boy, they're great. 
uh, that'll really uh, help. Uh, Teresa, she has her own assignment. Um, my assignment is not may not seem quite as exciting as Bill's, but I get to do the field finances. Um, I'm going to help develop NMI on the field. Now, I was kind of scratching my head over, now, why would they put that in my job description? Nazarene Missions International, developing it on the mission field. And I come to understand that um, the people there have, fin have finally understood, they've been on the receiving end of the church for, so, for these years. And, and they want to use Nazarene Missions International as a means to inspire their young people and their children to hear God's call in their lives, for them to go and become missionaries, for them to become pastors in the local churches. So um, I get to help with that, mentor women in leadership, and um, Bill's favorite, number four, assist the, the assistant. So he, he says, I've got it in writing. You have to do what it's I right, tell you. Right on the job description. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> She's my assistant. Yeah. So that's it. So this is a love. Now, I know you guys know about the South Asia Child Development Centers. You have, um, Greg has been involved in um, the ministry, riding his bike, and Greg and Marla both have, and others on, on, in Oregon, in this part of the country, um, raising funds for these child development centers. There are 127 in all those countries and serving over 13 thousand boys and girls. When we were um, in Sri Lanka, uh, Bill was in a meeting and I had someone say, I'm going to um, one of the CDCs on one of the plantations nearby. Do you want to go? And I said, sure. So I jumped in the back of a truck and um, we started on a one lane little windy mountain road. And I'm, you know, I'm from Oregon. So I'm used to little windy one lane roads up in the mountains. And then that turned into two strips of concrete winding around through the mountains in the tea plantations. And then it turned into not a gravel road, just something they plowed through rock. And um, it opened up into this opening. And here were three buildings together and, and this building. And, um, and the guy that was driving who took me said, oh, they built a new, a new building. The government must have come in and added to the school. So um, we got there just as the kids were being dismissed from school. And the minute they saw us, they all went scurrying back to their classrooms because they wanted us to see their classrooms. And so I took some pictures. Um, during that time, too, they said, would you like to see our library? It was in the new building. And I said, sure, I'd love to see it. So they took me, and half of the downstairs building was probably no bigger than, I'd say, this little area here in front of your platform. That was their library for the entire school. It had one little table in it with four chairs and then two glass-covered bookcases. And in those bookcases were the sorriest little books you ever did see. And this grandma's heart thought, think of all those books I send to my grandkids. And you know how kids are. They read their books. They may have favorites, but they outgrow those books. So I'm going to find some way to get some children's books to our CDCs when we get over there because they're encouraging everybody to learn English. So, um, so that would be great for the schools to have. Anyway, loved, loved seeing these kids. And I have to tell you, you see those white uniforms? Amazing. It's the end of the day. How do they stay clean like that? <laughs> but they were just very precious. So I loved meeting them. This is another um, CDC in uh, Sri Lanka. This is uh, children from a CDC in Nepal, um, a C children from a CDC in Bangladesh, and they look like, please quit taking pictures. We're ready for our snack. 
Um, <laughs> and another group of kids from CDC in Sri Lanka, and they're giving you the traditional greeting. Why CDCs? Why are they important? You guys know that already. This is a way that we can minister to the whole child. We help them with their homework after school, for example. Um, they will have Bible stories and hear about Jesus. They will get a snack. They'll be given, um, they learn how to brush their teeth and just simple hygiene things that teach them. Um, a few years ago, Ron Gilbert, the uh, previous field strategy coordinator, um, went to a CDC and asked the kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the kids said, oh, I want to be a farmer. I want to be a tuk-tuk driver. I want, to, I want to be a bricklayer. Those were kind of the dreams that the, those little children had. But just this last year, he went in and asked these children who had been in the CDCs for maybe six years now, and he asked them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they said, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a teacher. I, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. So you could just see that this ministry to children that you guys have faithfully supported is changing their vision, their hope for the future. Um, and that's going to not only change their lives, it's going to change their community's lives. It's going to maybe change their, the life of their nation as these kids learn to love Jesus and, and the difference that Christ can make in their lives. So I'm really excited about our involvement in um, the CDCs of South Asia. Well, the children, uh, they just get a hold of your heart, and you can just see these incredible faces of these beautiful kids. I love this little boy. He probably looks a lot like me when I was his age because he looks like he's just full of mischief and that he's about to get into some trouble. I just love that little guy. And there's the other beautiful faces of the children of this part of the world that Teresa and I are going to get to work with and help and assist in every way we can. And so, uh, so on behalf of the church, uh, especially to you, uh, this John Day Church of the Nazarene, you guys have done a lot to help the child development centers, and they really do change lives and change the whole trajectory of a child's life because they got exposed to Jesus uh, because of you. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Another thing we want to do is introduce you to some of the pastors that we get to work with, amazing people. This is Pastor Kobu. He led worship just before I preached. Uh, he's a great little worship leader. Uh, he, he's about five foot six, a uh, little guy. I thought he was about 22 years old, and then I asked him, he said he's 42 years old. Uh, it must be the humidity there that keeps him keeps them swollen up a little bit and less wrinkles. But anyway, uh, but he is uh, a pastor of five or six churches. He gets up on Sunday morning about uh, 7.30. He gets on his little motorcycle and he heads out. He goes to the first little church and he's with them for an hour and does his thing. And then he hops on his motorcycle and goes to the next church and, and does that all day long. And uh, several times he stepped out of his church and been grabbed and beaten severely uh, for preaching the gospel. And yet, the next Sunday, he's right back, right back, preaching. And so, uh, very special people that I'm honored to serve with. Um, this is Pastor Kashi. Teresa, tell them about Kashi. Um, pastor Kashi is the only ordained woman uh, pastor in, in uh, Sri Lanka. In fact, probably, I don't know, in probably most of those countries, she's one of very few. Um, I was talking to Pastor Kashi, getting acquainted with her, and um, 
before we come, her husband had been in a terrible automobile accident and had a traumatic head injury. So he's out of the hospital, but he's home. But he was the only, really, the breadwinner of, his, of their family, even though she's pastoring all these little churches. And so I asked her, I said, oh, Pastor Kashi, are your churches helping you during this time, like bringing in some meals for you, you know, since you're having to take care of your husband as well as your churches and everything? And she shook her head, looked very puzzled at me and said, no. And then I thought, oh, I said it the wrong way. Because it's not a rich country. It's a poor country. And um, I said, well, maybe the ladies could all from the different churches put the rice together and provide that for you so you'll have it for meals. And, you know, and she was just shaking her head, no, no. And at that time, I realized we need to teach our churches to love on their pastors and their families and in turn they can learn to help each other and encourage each other and love on each other when tough things happen in, you know, in the life of a church. So, um, but she is delightful and, and um, I'm so excited about being able to work with her. And then this is Pastor Joseph. Now, uh, Pastor Joseph interpreted for Bill um, when he preached. He got stuck only once, you know, his Missouri accent, I don't know, it can't, can't, you know, but he did great. Um, and I want to tell you a story because, about Pastor Joseph because um, when we got there, I had several people come to me and say, you've got to hear Pastor Joseph's story. It's just remarkable. And so I heard Pastor Joseph's story. Now, Pastor Joseph was one of the very first Nazarene pastors in Sri Lanka. The Church of the Nazarene's only been in Sri Lanka since 2001. So it's only been there 15 years. But he was one of the first pastors. Um, and um, he and his wife felt called to a village to plant a church there. And they had two little girls at that time. And um, so they went to the village, found an open piece of property, which is not hard to find on an island because its land is valuable. But they found, got permission to build a little lean-to on this little piece of property. And so they worked at trying to start a church there knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus and about the Church of the Nazarene and inviting them to Bible study with them and those kind of things. And nothing was happening. Now, church planting there is different from here in that there's no, they don't get any kind of support from their district or anything. You just do it. So they had no money. There was nothing coming in. And they were getting to a point where their family was starving. And Joseph went before the Lord and desperately prayed, God, you've got to do something for us because my family is going to starve. We need your help. The very next day, after he had just laid this out before the Lord, they stepped out of their lean-to and they found, next to the lean-to door entrance, they found a pile of clean, chunked pieces of coconut just stacked up by their door. And they looked around and they didn't see anybody, but he quickly gave that to his wife, who shredded it up and used it for their food for the day. Coconut is everywhere in Sri Lanka, so I'm sure she prepared something wonderful with it. Um, but this started happening day after day after day. Every morning they'd wake up and there'd be this pile of coconut, you know, just the clean, white, beautiful coconut meat there at their door. Now. At this point, Joseph's kind of getting excited because he's thinking, okay, somebody in the village, <laughs> we're getting through to them because they're helping us, you know, and I want to know who it is. I'd love to be able to thank them. And so they decided to watch to see who it was that was bringing this coconut to their little home every day, and this is what they found. 
It was two ravens, just like Elijah in the cave in the Old Testament. These two birds, <laughs> I know, were bringing this coconut and laying it by their door. Stealing it. Yeah. Well, you jumped in there. Yeah. Well, that's just it. He wanted to know, well, where, where are they getting this coconut? So they followed the birds and discovered that the birds were going to a coconut plantation and they were stealing the coconut <laughs> and bringing it to them. Yeah. So, um, so Joseph started, he was feeling guilty about that. So he went to the plantation overseer and explained to him how his family, they're there to plant a church and their family was starving and he prayed to God and God provided for these birds to steal that coconut and bring it to their home and he was sorry and you know I mean he was trying to make things right and the plantation overseer stopped him and said if if this is how your God is providing for you <laughs> you know I don't want to interfere with it but this is what I want you to do he said use the coconut that the birds bring you for your family to feed your family but if you have any coconut left over I want you to bring it to me and I will buy it from you. So they had leftover coconut each day. And so in that way, he was able to sell the coconut that was left over to the plantation to provide for his family. It was just an amazing thing that God had done to provide for Pastor Joseph. And I will tell you now in that village, in Sri Lanka, there's 200 churches. There are only four church buildings on that island. Four. And Pastor Joseph's church is one of them, and it was built with alabaster funds that you've given, our church has given through the years. Um, so it's just a wonderful cycle of how, how we help each other in missions. The local church here in that alabaster giving and that, in that faith promise giving made a difference like that in the life of Pastor Joseph. Yeah. The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Amen. Amen. Well, how can you share the work with us in South Asia? Well, first of all, pray for us. Pray for us. We, are, we can't do it. How in the world? It would take a whole lifetime just to learn Hindu country culture. And another whole lifetime to learn... Buddhist, and another whole lifetime to learn Muslim, if we could ever do that. And so we've got our hands full, and so we need prayer. Um, in your bulletin today is this little yellow insert that says missions at the top. I did this a few years ago for our church in California, and missionaries that have come through and seen this, they've all said this is the best prayer tool we have ever seen for missionaries. You know, a lot of times when we're praying for the missionaries, we'll just pray, Lord, bless the missionaries. And I'm sure they're grateful for that. But this is a way to specifically pray for them. Like uh, their language is a blank. You can put their name in. It could be your links missionary. It could be other missionaries that you're supporting. Okay? Um, like Joey, Joey and Ree over in Ukraine. I mean, put their names in it. And uh, we, we have people in our church who um, would, they would put the date and the names of the missionaries next to the different things as they prayed for them. And so we use this as a tool um, like you can pray for us for protection. When Bill goes into Pakistan, I'm not going with him. That's the one place World Mission has said I can't go with him. So, um, yeah. So pray if you happen to think of it. Pray for Bill or um, language. Yeah, language. 
Abujuan. <laughs> so um, pray for the language. There. But I'm also saying, and I know you're without a permanent pastor yet, that um, pray this for your pastor. Use this as a tool to pray, maybe for the pastor who's coming. You know, he might uh, be from Ohio and need to learn your language. That's right. <laughs> so use this as a tool. We really do ask you to do that. Well, I know you guys love working witness, and you do work in witness. Well, it just so happens that they just made sure that I'm in charge of working witness in Salvation. And so I would love to work with you and have you come. We have three projects already in Nepal. We have two projects already in Sri Lanka that you could come and help us with, and I'll make sure they treat you right, because uh, it'll be me treating you right. Uh, consider building a church or a child development center. Uh, I, I, we can't send working witness teams into Pakistan. Uh, it's too dangerous. Or Bangladesh right now. It's a little too dang dangerous. And so I asked the district superintendent from Pakistan, wh what would it take to, to just provide the funds for you to build a church in Pakistan with your own people? And he said $5,000. And, uh, and so I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that happens. And so, uh, but by all means, we can still bless them. And then support a child or CDC, which you guys do, and, and, so, and you know the difference it makes in their lives. But let me tell you the difference. That, that we had a major in our church in the United States Marine Corps, Major Michael McDowell, six foot four, chiseled Marine, manly man, tears streaming down his cheeks after we shared. And he said, I've got to talk to you. I've got to talk to you. So he pulled me aside and I said, what, I, what can I do for you, Michael? And he said, he said, Pastor, he said, those child development centers, those child development centers. I said, what about them? He, he said, uh, he said uh, my, my men did not die in vain. And I said, I don't understand. Explain it to me. And he said, well, he said, what the, what the Marines could not do. We didn't finish the mission. But he said, those child development centers are going to do. They're going to finish the mission. And he said, may not be in your lifetime, may not be in my lifetime. He said, but you need to know that when they go into our child development centers and for six years they feel the love of Jesus, they meet Christians, they're fed, they're cared for, they're taught hygiene, they're educated, they're taught English. And, and, and for six years they just have the love of Christ poured into their life. Then when they get to be 12 years old and ISIS comes along or Al-Qaeda comes along and grabs those children and puts them in their madrasas, their schools, and they begin to try to tell them that, that all Christians are evil and wicked and horrible and they're the devil and, and they hate you. And they, they, those, those kids are going to know that's not true. And he said they're going to grow up and they're going to have more success changing their their culture than we ever did. And he said they're going to finish. Those child development centers are going to finish the mission. And I said, wow, what an incredible story. And I want to remember that. They really do make that kind of a difference. Um, encouragement. Please connect and communicate with us. I would love to talk to somebody in English. So we are the only missionaries assigned uh, to this field. Uh, to all of South Asia, and so uh, we are going to need your encouragement. Um, in the back at that little table are just little prayer cards, and boy, we would really love for each of you to take one and just put it somewhere, and if you happen to think of it, pray for us. 
And um, our emails are on those prayer cards. Now, if the Lord really impresses you to pray for us, I would love to hear about it because I have a sneaking suspicion I'd be able to write back to you and say, I knew somebody was praying for us because this is what was happening at that time. I know that's going to happen. And we're going to count on a church like John Day who loves missionaries, who loves, loves that to be part of our prayer team. So, before we finish, Bill, would you pray for John Day? Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. We go back quite a ways together, holding revivals and bringing quartets over here and singing and just doing all the things that we have done together. I thank you for this church. I I thank you for their love of Jesus. I thank you for their love of the kingdom work. I, I thank you for their love of the harvest. And Father, I pray, God, that you would continue to bless them and anoint them and take care of them and, and, and provide for them. And, and Lord, as they're in their pastoral search, I just pray that you, I know you've already prepared. You've already been preparing uh, the fit, the, the, the right couple, the right person to come to John Day. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless that process, that you would work with the DS, that you would work with the church board, that you would work with the church who's on their knees praying, that you would guide until they are able to find each other, and that they'll know it when it happens. And then, Lord, I pray that in this interim, in this transition, that you would just help the church to continue to thrive, continue to grow, uh, to unify, to, to come together. And so, Father, I pray that this light right here in this town, right here on this property, that this light would shine in the darkness and that you would use them mightily and that you would anoint them and bless them, that they would be fruitful in the harvest. And so, Father, I thank you for that. I love hearing the good report of the praise for Kurt today. Lord, I just pray for this man. I I, I don't know if I know him, but, Father, I know you do, and you've been faithful to him. Would you take care of him and watch over him and help him in this recovery time, help him to grow stronger every day and keep him from any complication that could happen. And, Lord, I just pray that he's going to be so much better because of this being discovered. And now, God, I thank you again for this church and for these people. Uh, They're a part of our journey, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And I give God a praise that we stopped before the microphone ran out of battery. It's a miracle.